there. We're so glad you tuned in today. We would love to hear how God is using this podcast to encourage you. You can do so by visiting our website at wearefreedomlife.com. Welcome to Freedom. Good morning. Let me ask you guys a question this morning. How many of you guys are in a season of your life where you're praying, you're crying, and you're uh, asking out God, God, Lord, give me a sign? How many of you guys are in a season of your life right now where, where, where that's your cry? Maybe because you're going through some stuff right now. Maybe you're feeling crushed. Maybe you're feeling like it's over. You're feeling like you're in a losing battle, and you just keep going around and around and around, and nothing seems to be going right. You pray, you come to church, you're feeling excited, you're feeling encouraged, but yet something never really changes. It's the same old stuff, different day. I can't tell you guys how many times I hear that in my life. Somebody comes up to me, man, PC, I'm going through it, man. I'm going through it. It's the same old stuff, different day. How many of you guys are in that season? Yeah. You see, I feel it, and I think that that's why God has stirred this, this word in my belly for you this morning. Because, you see, you're going through it. You are, and that's good. It's good that you're going through it because it means you're going through a trial. That doesn't mean that you're going to stay in the trial, right? you got to keep pushing. you got to keep fighting. And so I believe there's, there's times when God puts us in situations for us to grow and for us to learn something. And so the challenge for us is to figure out what is it that we're supposed to be learned, what is it that we're supposed to learn for what we're going through, right? You see, because God, he's not in the business of delivering you from the trial. He's in the business of taking you through the trial, amen? (laughs) But I got another question for you. How many of you guys are confidently saying the other verse to that song? And it goes like this. The devil's trying to find me, hide me, hold up, I take that back. Protect me and give me the strength to fight back. I'm going to say that again a little slower because I'm not DMX. All right? (laughs) He goes, the devil's trying to find me. Lord, hide me. You know what? Hold up, I take that back. Lord, protect me and give me the strength to fight back. Probably not as many. And can I be honest? Sometimes, sometimes I feel like that too. Sometimes I get to a place where I can only say part of that verse, the devil's trying to find me, hide me, and then I stop. And if I'm being honest, I was there just these past few weeks. I can't tell you guys how many times I wanted to pick up my phone and call up Pastor Tony and be like, look, man. <laughs> I'm sorry, I I can't preach this Sunday. I can't do it. I feel weak. I feel inadequate. I feel like I'm not good enough. I shouldn't be up there. But with some help from my brothers, Dan, Jay, Zach, Shane, Mordecai, I reached out to them on how I was feeling, and I was asking them for prayer. And here I am. And here I am. I appreciate you, man. And you see... 
And that's why it's important for us to build relationships with one another. Because when we don't feel like that we can fight, then we need other people around us who can step in and help us and fight for us. Stand in the gap with us, right? Because let's be real. Let's be real. We all go through it. We all have bad days. We all have moments of weakness. Hello, waking up middle of the night, going to the refrigerator, the freezer, getting ice cream. We all have moments of weakness. Yes. Look, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're a pastor, a minister, a nun, or whatever the title that you may have. We all go through it. We do. And that's the thing. You see, I was even debating about even expressing my weakness to you guys because it's like, oh no, I'm a pastor. They're going to think that I'm weak. But you know what? I am. I am weak. And that's okay because I need you guys to know something. I'm human too. I'm human too. Pastor Tony... I know he's got nice, slick hair, and I wish I had his hair and everything, and he can come up here confidently and speak and give a good, powerful message, but he's human too. Pastor Alicia and her worship team, when they come up here, and they, and they come out, and I know it sounds like angelic when they're out here worshiping, right? But they're human too. My wife, oh. My wife, though. I mean, yeah. I know she comes up here and she can just, oh man, she can pray so beautifully. You guys hear her when she prays. I'm telling you, that girl, she's a prayer warrior. You should, you should hear her at the home, at home. I'm upstairs and I hear her downstairs screaming and stomping around and yelling. And I'm thinking to myself, uh oh, what did I do now? <laughs> and then what I do is I go and I run and I hide under my bed and I'm like, Nisa's trying to find me. Lord, hide me, right? <laughs> but no, but seriously, the majority of the time, the majority of the time, like 51% of the time, she's yelling at the devil. 51% of the time, it's the devil she's mad at, and she's yelling and rebuking him, right? So, but that's the thing. Listen, she's human too, right? She's human too. And I just feel like I just needed to say that because oftentimes people think that pastors have like this superpower or something, right? And even we as pastors, we think that we have to have these superpowers. We have to feel like, man, we have to be strong and not let the people know that we're weak. But we're human too. We're human too. We have our days where we feel like that we're just going around and around and around. And so when I was praying about this, there was two instances in the Bible that came to me where people's lives were just going around in circles, just going around. There was two metaphors. If you show the first picture, one of them was the children of Israel in the wilderness, 40 years, going around and around and around because they couldn't learn the lesson and they couldn't get Egypt out of them and God didn't want them to take Egypt into Canaan, their promised land. You see, God has a plan for you and his plan for you so exceeds your plan for yourself. It does. But 
In order to get there, there are some things, maybe some people, come on, there are some people that you may have to let go of. See, God doesn't want you to take your history into your future. He doesn't want you to take your history into your promise, right? Some of the things or some of the people are what's holding you back from where you're supposed to be or from where God wants to take you. Amen? If you go to the next picture, the other time somebody's life was just going around and around was, the, was, was on the potter's wheel. Now, if the clay could have talked, here's what the clay would have said. I'm just spinning out. How many of you guys are in a season where you're saying, I'm just spinning out? I'm just spinning out. Just going around and around and around here. And whoops, something happened. And the potter crushed me. And he started all over. But he's shaping me. Whoops. I got a little out of shape. Here's the good thing about the clay. He never throws the clay out. He keeps working with the same clay over and over and over again. Look, he's been working with this clay right here for a long time. He's been working with this clay for a long time, but he never throws the clay out. Listen to me. He's not throwing you out. He's reshaping you. You may feel like you're spinning out, but you're on the potter's wheel, and he's shaping you, and he's got a purpose for what you're going through. Come on. And I believe that the reason that you are here this morning is because God wants to put a fight in you. And you know where that fight begins? That fight begins in you. Come on. And I'm feeling, like, I'm feeling like we're just going to give the devil a black eye this morning. Who's with me? Come on. So, man, golly. Today, I want to talk about David. David and one of his mighty men. Now, when we talk about David, what is one of the first things that comes to your mind? What's the first thing that comes to your mind? Goliath. David and Goliath. Everybody knows the story of David and Goliath, right? Even those who don't come to church, even those who don't read the Bible, know the story of David and Goliath. I mean, you hear the world talk about David and Goliath all the time when they're talking about athletics and the underdogs, right? They always refer to the story of David and Goliath. But I don't want to talk about that story. <clears throat> I want to talk about David's mighty men. And I love this because David is here speaking his last words. And if you ever want to know something about a man or a woman, it's what they say before they leave this planet that really means something, right? Because they've, had, they've already had an opportunity to go through something, to go through a lot of different things, right? And some of the stuff that they go through, they can look back on their life and tell you what really matters, right? And so these are the last words of David. And when David is coming to the end of his life, he's not moved to talk about his own personal victories. He's not moved to share about his experience with Goliath. But on his deathbed, he begins to talk about the mighty men that God used him to raise up under his kingship. And these mighty men, I'm telling you, these men were bad to the bone. Bad. Bad to the bone, right? 
There was one man, there was one man who slayed 800 Philistines at one time. But I don't want to talk about him. There was another man named Benaiah. Now, Benaiah, Benaiah, now he was a bad dude because it says that Benaiah jumped in the pit and, uh, with a lion and killed it on a snowy day. What kind of man thinks that it's a good idea to, in the snow, to jump in the pit and say, you know what, I just want to play around with the lion today, right? Who does that? Benaiah. He's a bad, shut your mouth. I'm just talking about Shaft. I mean, Benaiah. <laughs> right? But I don't want to continue talking about him either. Shama, though. Now, Shama, now this is, what I, this is who I really want to talk about this morning. Look at this. In 2 Samuel 23, verse 11 and 12, David starts talking about this guy. It says, Next to him was Shama, son of Agi, the Herorite, when the Philistines had gathered together in a, in a troop. Now, a troop would consist anywhere between 300 and 800 people. Okay? And so they gathered together in a troop where there was a piece of ground full of lentils. Let me give it to you in a modern-day translation. They were in a ground full of peas. Ground full of peas. That's it. Just a ground full of peas. <clears throat> so, they fled from the Philistines. So the people, Israel's troops, they fled from the Philistines. But he, Shama, stationed himself in the middle of the field, defended it, and killed the Philistines so that the Lord brought about a great victory. If you need a title for today's message, I'm going to be preaching on guarding your pea patch. <laughs> and now, I know what you're thinking, man, PC, out of all the people, out of all the things in the Bible that you could be preaching on for, for your very first time speaking here at church, you're going to talk about a dude who was killing people over a field of peas? I mean, I don't even eat my peas at the dinner table. If somebody wants them, they could have them. I'm surely not going to fight over it with them, Right? So you're really going to use this time to talk about this? Absolutely. Because I noticed something. The reality is, the reason why you're in the condition that you're in today is because you didn't fight over the little things when they first started. The reality is, in this moment right now, the reason why you're miserable is because you didn't deal with the little foxes that spoiled the vine. And over time, the enemy is taking one thing after another after another, and now you find yourself at a place where you're weak, you can't hardly pray, you're not interested in God. And there was a day, listen to me, there was a day where you used to burn for God, but you've allowed the enemy to come into your field and take a pee at a time. Just taking it, pee at a time. You see, when the enemy comes in, he doesn't come in and show himself to you, right? He doesn't come in and say, yo, I'm the devil, come follow me, and then we're going to go to hell together and burn for eternity, right? He doesn't do that. He doesn't do that. Come on. How many of you would follow the devil if he came at you like that? Probably nobody, right? That's not how he comes at you, though. That's not how he packages sin. He makes sin look real attractive, right? Nice hips. Nice curves, all the right features. Come on. What he does is he starts with a little demon called peer pressure. Hey, it's just a pill. Hey, it's just a hit. Hey, it would only last an hour. 
hey, it's just one peak. Nobody's going to know, right? And the whole time, the enemy is coming in and taking a pee at a time. And here's the thing. In this generation, we've taught everybody how to look good and fight big public battles, but on the inside, we're dying because we've lost all of our small private ones. Because we don't know how to fight anymore. We give up too easily, and we check out. Look, why do we make our bad situations more powerful than our good situations? You see, and I feel that the reason why we have a problem in the body of Christ is because we have a people that are so used to being saved that they forgot what it was like to be in darkness. Why would I want to remember what it was like to be in a dark place. No, listen to me. The reason why we have so much trouble is because some of us have forgotten how far he's brought us over the years. Come on, right? A lot of times we are moaning and complaining about where we're at today, but we often forget about what he's done for us or where we were just a couple years ago or what he's done. And we forget about the good things. And our main focus is this bad situation right now that we're currently in. We forget. And I want to go back to an extreme story because what kind of guy fights over a patch of peas? But there's something significant that I need you to see and realize about this pea patch, about this story. I'm not talking about some natural fight, like a physical fight, right? I'm not talking about that. Our Bible says that our battle is not with flesh and blood, but it's a spiritual battle for your soul. But spiritually, we forgot how to fight with things called fasting and prayer and the word of God because that's not entertaining enough. There's got to be a people that will start fighting for your pea patch. What's your pea patch? Well, what what is it that you want? You see... Many of you are just taking anything because you don't know what you want or how to purposefully endure something, the ability to go through stuff. You see, we're always looking to escape. We're always looking ways to get out of stuff. We want to escape the pressures of life, marriage. Instead of fighting for it, we're looking for ways out. Pain, instead of growing and learning something from whatever it is that you're going through, we're looking for ways out. In fact, I actually read something recently that we in America, we in America today, we take more drugs for depression and anxiety and all these things. We take more drugs for all these things than the rest of the world combined. Than the rest of the world combined. Now think about that. I'm not saying that medication is bad. I think, I think medication is good, and at times it is needed, and it can help. It can. But if we're being honest with ourselves, there may be times that we're using it because we don't know how to purposefully endure something. Somebody in your life passed away. Of course you're going to be upset. Of course it's going to hurt. Of course. Falling down is just a part of life, but getting back up is living it. You're going to go through stuff, man. You will. You're going to go through stuff. Sometimes in our circumstances, we think that God is mad at us, that we messed up. 
Let me tell you, if messing up would keep you from blessings, I would be so kept from them. I can't tell you how many times I messed up in my life. But God doesn't measure you by your mess ups. He measures you by your mustard seed of faith. Come on. He doesn't measure you by your mistakes. He measures you by his grace. And his grace is sufficient. Look, God's not mad at you. God is not mad at you. And I feel like that's just a word for somebody here this morning. Somebody needs to hear that this morning. God is not mad at you. Look, the thing that you're going through, the thing that you're thinking, man, I shouldn't have to be going through this, may be the greatest blessing in your life. Remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? These were some really good guys, right? They were some good guys. They prayed. They were obedient. They would not compromise. They wouldn't bend a knee to Baal. And the king said, look, if you don't bow to me, we're going to throw you in that fiery furnace alive and burn you. You know what they could have said? We shouldn't have to be going through this. We're good people. We pray to you, God. God, we worship you. God, we serve you. Why are you doing this to me, God? We shouldn't have to be going through this. They could have said that, but you know what? They didn't. You know what they did say? Oh, king, we are not careful to answer you in this matter, for the God that we serve is able, and even if he doesn't, we're going to serve him anyway. Can you say today, I'm going to serve him anyway? I'm going to serve him anyway? Come on. Remember, I said God is not in the business of delivering you from the trial. He's in the business of taking you through the trial. Look, if they would have been delivered from the fiery furnace, they would have never known that God could show up in the fiery furnace. Let me tell you, God is with you. He's there. The deal is, can you see him? Can you be aware of him? Sometimes even the world is aware of him when we're not. Didn't we throw three guys in the fiery furnace, O king? Oh, yes, O king, yeah, we threw three guys in, O king, yeah, whatever you said, whatever you say. Well, I see four, and the fourth one looks like the son of God. Now, I don't know how King Nebuchadnezzar knew what the son of God looked like, Oh, boy, but when he knew it was him, he knew it was him, right? Can I tell you, he's there. He'll walk through it with you. And they said that even the clothes were not singed. The only things that were burned were the bonds that were wrapped around their, uh, wrapped around their wrists. And I'm telling you, while you're in this fire right now that you're in, while you're there, God is removing the bonds in your life. He's setting you free. If you stop complaining about the problem, you might see that he's setting you free. Come on. You need to figure out what it is that you want. What's your pea patch? What is it? What do you want in your marriage? What do you want with your son and your daughter? What do you want for your health? What do you want financially? Like how much money do you want to make? How do you want to live? We need to stop waking up every day like it's an accident. What do you want? What do you want? 
Look, have you ever turned on a light switch and had to watch light try to fight darkness? Come on. Have you ever flipped on a light switch and you saw a battle in the room and light was like, uh, you know, I, I'm trying to come on, but this whole darkness thing, right? No. When you flip on a light switch, light comes on. Unless you didn't pay your electricity bill. That's another sermon, though, for another day, right? <laughs> but seriously, though, right? When the light switch comes on, the, the, the light comes on and darkness flees, right? But somehow we feel like light has to fight darkness because the reality is it's hard to fight for something that you're not full of. A lot of times we come here and we get fired up with praise and worship and a powerful message, but yet we wonder why things are not shifting and we wonder why things are not changing. It's because some of you, the only time that you're fighting is when you're coming here on Sundays and the devil is out there in a parking lot waiting for you because he knows that you're coming out there and he has you for the rest of the week. We need to find a people who is going to be fighting more than just on Sundays. Hmm. Man. Shama. So why Shama? Why is she so serious about this pea patch? Remember I said, don't forget about what he's done for you in your life. Well, Jewish history will tell you that the pea patch that he was fighting over was the exact place where David killed Goliath. Hmm. Shama is fighting over a pea patch, not because of the peas. He's fighting to preserve a victory from a former generation. You got to go here. Shama is fighting to preserve the victory of a former generation. And you see, this is why the Philistines wanted the pea patch. Because if they steal the pea patch, then they steal Israel's history. And if, they, and if they get the field, then they can take over territory and so that no one will remember what actually happened on that property. And you see, that's why a lot of us don't remember what he's done and what he's brought us out of because we've allowed the enemy to come into our fields and take a pee at a time, and now we forget. And can I tell you, the devil is taking ground in our generation. He is. You see, so if they get the land, then we'll forget about David's victory. And if they get the land, then the harvest of peas will be taken away, and eventually the people will become weak, and once the people will become weak, then we'll make them our slaves. And you see, that's what the devil does. He, he comes in, and he takes a pea at a time until we get to a place where we're weak, and then, we're, and then we get addicted to whatever it is that, that we were in, and now we're a slave to sin. And you see, this is what the devil does. He comes in, takes a pee at a time until we get to a place where we're weak. And like I said, we get addicted to whatever it is, and now we're a slave to sin. See, this is the thing that you got to understand. The enemy has patience. The enemy has patience. And he, and he knows that you'll just let him take a pee at a time. He knows you will until it becomes a bull, Right? Until it becomes a bull, I'm probably going to make a mess here. Over time, he takes a pea at a time. And all these little peas that you weren't fighting over now becomes a bull. Hmm. And then what happens is then what happens is <clears throat> when we go out to eat, we get weak. 
And that's how the enemy eats your lunch every day. That's how the enemy steals your joy. It's just the little things. Just a little thing. It starts with the little things. He doesn't need to come out and wreck your life over one big thing because he knows he, he has patience and you don't. And he'll just, that you'll just allow him to take a pee at a time. And then what do we do? We blame it on God, don't we? We blame it on God. But the reality is some of you guys are here battling with a number of different stuff, but God is the one that when you're in that place of cluelessness, in that place of twistedness, in that place of horrible, bitter, anger, depression, whatever it is, suicide, all that, all that stuff, God's like, I want that one. He chooses you no matter what you do. He still chooses you. I want that one. Again, our fight is not against flesh and blood, but it's a spiritual battle for your soul. And you see, Satan, he is, he is sure that he can't dethrone God because he already tried that. Right? He can't dethrone God because he already tried that. But he is not sure that he can't dethrone God from your soul because he's been doing it for a long time. Taking a pee at a time. He can't come up to heaven and kick God off the throne, right? Like God's not ever going to lose a throne. But he is not sure that you believe what you say you believe. And he wants you to do stuff to think that you're okay instead of believe stuff so that you can truly be. Listen, I can't tell you how, many how much I personally struggle with this in my life. I grew up without a father. My dad wanted nothing to do with me. And so my whole entire life, I felt rejected. Like I'm not good enough. Where is he? Why, doesn't he? why does he not love me? Why does he not come around? And so I was constantly under the pressure to perform and do stuff in hopes that I could be at one day uh, looked at and loved as a son by a man. Not by my mom, because she, 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 I knew she loved me. I knew she did. But I needed that affirmation from a man, you're my son. And so I was constantly in this pressure of doing stuff to feel like I could be a son. But you see, Jesus didn't pay a price for us to be doers. He paid a price for us to be beers. He paid a price for us to be something. You see, the Bible says that Jesus, who knew no sin, he who knew no sin became sin so that I might become something. And if I realize what I become, which is a son, then my doing would just be a byproduct of my being, and I'm good. But if I don't realize what I become, then I, I will always do to try to be. And you'll never, ever do enough, ever. And you're being like this hamster wheel of trying to do enough to try to be. Man, the Bible is clear. Jesus was rejected so that I could be accepted. But how many times do we go through this rejection thing? Well, well, we're rejected. My uncle, they rejected me. My friends, they rejected me. My boyfriend, my girlfriend, they rejected me. My mom, my dad, they rejected me. And we allow life. And we allow life, and we allow what people did to us, we allow a natural father or a natural mother or what we've been through to dominate the truth of who our heavenly father is. And that's a problem. It's the simplicity of the gospel. God's my dad. He loves me. He created me in his image, and he liked it. He thought that I was worth it. How many times have we, have we gone and looked in the mirror and not liked what we've seen, and so we have to go out and do something to feel better about ourselves? That's not okay. Oh. 
We sell so cheap, man. We sell so cheap. Jesus didn't pay a price to get us out of here and rescue us and get us into heaven. He paid a price to put heaven inside of us so that we could destroy hell, not think like it. Am I making any sense at all? Look, you're not for sale. You're not for sale, man. You've been purchased with a price. Go ahead and throw that next slide up. Look, in the world, in the world, right, if I were to try to sell you this custom hoverboard, right, <laughs> but there's really not a market for them, any, for them anymore, but I'm trying to sell you this custom hoverboard, and you know, I'm, I tell you, I want you to give me $250 for this hoverboard, and you knew that it was worth maybe about $15 at the yard sale. Would you give me that money? Would you? No. Why not? I got them in all colors. <laughs> all right? Go to the next slide. Some of you guys know I'm a real estate agent at Berkshire Hathaway. You know, I had to throw that in there a little bit, you know. But uh, seriously, <laughs> if I told you I wanted you to buy this house and I took you through it and I showed you, you know, hey, it's a pretty nice house, man, right? <laughs> Some of you, I'm not using him as a real estate agent. <laughs> I, <laughs> And the market was kind of down and all, you know, but I told you, look, I wanted you to put an offer in at $300,000 for this home, and you knew that maybe it was worth about $10,000, and that's just for the land, right? Would you give me that money? Would you? Why not? It's not worth it, right? Man, heaven paid such a high price for you. Why would you sell so cheap? Listen to me. If the value of something is always determined by the price that is paid for, how valuable are you since Jesus paid a price for you? Guys, we are allowing life to speak louder than his son. We are allowing what we've been through to speak louder than what Jesus went through. We're allowing our experiences to speak louder than the reality of the price that God paid for us. You see, the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to crush you. He wants to annihilate you, right? He wants, you, he wants to get you to think like him. He's depressed. He's cut off. He's hopeless. He's not forgiven. He's bitter, and he's angry. Why? Because he knows the end results. He knows he lost. He's a loser, Right? And he wants you to have all those thoughts too. He wants you to feel defeated just like him. See, it never changes, guys. The love of God never changes. When you were a sinner, when you were twisted, when you were whacked out, Christ still died for you. That's the love of God. And that's what we need to fight with, is our faith. That's what we need to do. As the worship team comes, I'm going to share this last scripture with you guys this morning. Romans 12, 2 says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what, God, what, what God's will is, Right? His good, pleasing, and perfect 
will. This word right here, transform, you see, one of the things that I realize is most Christians don't want to be transformed. They don't want to be transformed. They want to be informed. Informed is the process of receiving information. And so what we are is we are a bunch of jacked up people who are now informed that we're jacked up. <laughs> right? You see, we can preach a good message about how we, how we messed up, but we're still messed up. Still going around and around and around. You see, transformation is the process by which the information that you receive now becomes application. And so whatever it is that you learn while you're here at church, if, it do, if you don't make it a part of your life, then you will constantly just keep going around and around and around because all you are is informed and you're not transformed. We don't wanna go through the process because it hurts. We don't wanna go through the process because it's painful. But do you wanna live in that pain for the rest of your life? What, what's, what's worse, living in that pain for the rest of your life or getting through it to a place of, I'm free? And I feel like that there are just some people in here this morning that need to fight. And so I want to encourage you guys today to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why? So that we are able to see what God's will is for you in your life. Come on. If you feel like you need to be transformed this morning, I want you to come meet me up, to, up in the altar here this morning. If you feel like there's something going on in your life and you keep going around and around and around like the Israelites, God doesn't want you to take your past, your history into your promised land. Come on, somebody. He doesn't want you to take your past, your history into your future. He wants to set you free. There's freedom in his name. There's freedom in his name. There's freedom in his name. Don't forget what he's done for you already in your life. Don't forget who he is and what he can do. He'll do it again. He'll do it again. And again, and again, and again, because he loves you. Whatever it is that you've done, he'll come into your life again and look for you. I want that one. That's the one that I want. He'll do it again. If you're feeling like you need prayer, I invite you to come up to the front here with us. And prayer partners, come on, to the, come on forward as well. If you feel like you need prayer this morning for anything in your life that you keep going through, I want to let you know there's freedom in his name. He'll do it again. He'll do it again.